do a focus for the next hour talking all about housing because this is such a big issue and it affects so many different layers and levels of our lives. Yesterday we were having a conversation talking about so many people needing to surrender their pets as a result of the housing crisis. People not able to find places to rent or to live that will accommodate animals. People feeling like they're forced into situations in terms of their living conditions uh, that might not necessarily be their preference because it's just so limited, especially when you talk about the availabilities of rental units. So what's the solution? I want to know from you, Chad Nation, of course, you know, you're welcome to send in a text 780-496-0063. What's the answer to this housing crisis as it sits right now? There was a coalition of housing experts, advocates and industry reps that are now calling on the government to overhaul its policies to try to get a push for more rental units built, saying that that needs to be the focus. It's more rental units. So this report is called A Multi-Sector Approach to Ending Canada's Rental Housing Crisis. It's authored by a few people, one that we just spoke to on the show a couple days ago, Mike Moffat, who's the founding director of the Place Centre at the Smart Prosperity Institute, Tim Richter, president and CEO of the Canadian Alliance to End Homelessness, and Michael Brooks, head of RealPack, a group that represents 130 real estate firms. So we have Michael Brooks joining us right now, one of the authors of this report, to talk about this solution and how we can try to get our way to it. Michael, thanks so much for making the time. Really appreciate it. Thank you, Chelsea, for having me. You know, I think the housing crisis is one that we tend to want to blame on someone. We want to look to a form of government and say it's it's because you steered us here. This is several decades in the making, right? Is there anyone that we can lay at, at the feet at their feet the blame for this housing crisis? Oh, there's there's plenty of blame to go around, and, and maybe I'll just truncate my comments. Hey, uh, nicely about done. That. Uh, at every level of government, uh, really, about this. Because as you mentioned, um, we haven't built social housing in this country since the 80s. Um, most of Canada's apartment housing stock is over 40 years old. Wow. Uh, and, you know, getting to that point where it's aging and needing... Um, so we... Uh, yeah, we have a long way to go. So let's just start with who's responsible. Who... Who should be directly responsible for building new rental units, for taking this project on, and for spearheading it? Well, you know, in this report, um, we address both market and non-market housing. We need both. There are many folks who are in core housing need, um, who um, need very affordable rents, Mm. um, all the way down to social housing. Um, At that end of the spectrum, we need to prevent the further growth in homeless population. We need to house the homeless population. Um, At the other end, we need a lot more market rental units so that the ability to move up the ladder is still intact over time. So um, we believe that, I mean, the the fall economic statement will be coming in several months in this Mm -hmm. country. Um, We think that the federal government has the leadership role to play, and that was an idea behind this particular report. Michael, is it rental units in conjunction with affordable homes to purchase? Why focus just on renting and not on, you know, really, I think, honing in on an economy that can support home ownership as being an option for people. So many people feel that they're they're just priced out of that as even being realistic in their lifetime. So is it focusing on both or is it solely rentals? It's. I would say our objective was rental because we were very much concerned about 
um, the bottom end of the economic ladder, those folks who are struggling. Um, and, and we felt to some extent, look, you know, if you can afford a home, um, then that's a bit of a different problem than those who can't, who must rent, and who can't find rental accommodation. So that's why we chose to focus on that particularly. You know, yesterday we had someone message into the show talking about what the rental climate kind of looks like here in Edmonton, saying that they couldn't even go on to Kijiji, in this example, uh, to find comparables, just to figure out what they should be pricing their rental at. There's just, it seems, almost nothing available. Can you help sort of define what exactly that looks like, not only just in Edmonton, but across Canada, it, when it comes to the rental situation? Is it just dire and non-existent anywhere now? No, you know, I would say you know, it depends. The, certainly the major cities are where we see the most pressure. Um, some of that is immigration related. Mm-hmm. Um, we have immigration levels in this country have gone near vertical. As, as you know, over a million immigrants um, in 2022. Um, that's comprised of both kind of new immigrants who apply and qualify, international students, which is also spiked, um, and temporary foreign workers. So we've had a spike in immigration around the same time that because of high interest rates, new supply is dropping in a perfect storm of two lines diverging. The interesting thing, I was listening to your comments at the start, you know, Edmonton, I have data from from the provider of, of the computer systems for most of the multifamily sector, Edmonton actually was my poster child for rent growth hmm. uh, this year. Uh, you had some of the lowest year-over-year rent growth in the country. Um, you know, you were 2.5%, at least in the first quarter, uh, compared to London, Ontario at 7.5%. So on a relative basis, I was thinking, gee, Edmonton's looking pretty good. Um, but when you consider um, the context of lease over lease growth, which means the place is empty and it leases up, you know, then Edmonton starts to move up that ladder. You were at 5% lease over lease growth in the first quarter. Uh, give you a sense of the range of that. Kitchener Waterloo was close to 20%. <laughs> the national average was around 12. Wow. So this is a supply demand gap problem. So how do we then create that supply and who funds it and what happens to prices long term? I have a few more questions for you, Michael, but we have to take a very short break. So just bear with us. We'll come right back into this conversation very quickly, talking about trying to take a multi-sector approach to ending Canada's rental housing crisis. Our guest is one of the co-authors of that report with the same title um, and uh, the head of RealPAC, a group that represents 130 real estate firms, Michael Brooks. He'll be right back with us in three minutes. We're talking about housing and the housing crisis that is plaguing this country right now. What's the answer out of it? Our guest is co-author of this report titled The Multi-Sector Approach to Ending Canada's Rental Housing Crisis. He's also the head of RealPAC, a group that represents 130 real estate firms. Michael Brooks, thanks so much for sticking around on hold. Really appreciate your time today. Yeah, no problem. So there are a couple interesting solutions right now that we're getting on the text line from listeners as we've been having this conversation that I'll get to in just a moment. But just going back to your report that you co-authored, what did you find in terms of the number of rental units that need to be built in this country? What are we actually looking at in terms of volume required? 
we're looking at about 2 million rental units that need to be built in the next seven years. And that compares to in the last 30 years, we've only built 570,000 units. So we need to triple what we have built in the last 30 years in the next seven. And of those 2 million, we calculate 655,000 need to be deeply affordable buildings. How do we do that? I mean, obviously, buy-in from politicians is one way. Is this being funded then from taxpayers? How does this all work? What do you propose? It's <clears throat> it's impossible for the any level of government to fund this. You know, if you if you pick a number like three hundred fifty thousand dollars in cost per unit, you'd be talking about a trillion dollars. Mm. The budget of the federal government is only $450 billion. It's impossible. Um, so you, you have to find ways to get the private market to uh, get building again. Um, and that's, as you know, um, a multi-party approach. You need municipalities to rezone more land and make development as of right. Um, you need to reduce taxes so that new development pro formas work you need to make sure you get the workforce which is another challenge in this country you need to make sure you can get low interest rate financing from cmhc or another arm of the federal government we probably need some tax incentives like we had uh up to the mid 80s to spur investment in these buildings we need to build at the rate we built after world war ii so what is the response then Michael, when you describe it like that and all the different layers that I think are required to get us to this point, um, there's a lot at stake here. So it is important that we do get to that point. What is the response then from government, from banks, from all of these different entities that need to then participate to make this happen? Um, We're still getting that feedback, given it's only (laughs) what four days old or three days old. Um, But I can tell you, we've spoken to all three of the major federal parties. Um, They are all support. Uh, They all support, in principle, what we've done in this report. Um, The Liberals are taking this report to their retreat in Prince Edward Island. I understand. Uh, We've spoken to the Conservative housing critic. We've spoken to the NDP housing critic. You know, they all know this is the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, They all know that the public is screaming at them because, as you say, they can't afford their first house or they can't afford rent. Uh, and they need a solution. And we think the federal government um, is the one to take charge. I think, you know, and I just mentioned there is a lot at stake. I want you to kind of dive into that a little bit, because obviously, you know, providing people an affordable place to live, an affordable place to rent is paramount. But, you know, I think there are also these other layers of this, and I'm seeing this growing conversation and frustration that always references immigration and talks about this idea of putting a cap on immigration numbers. And I think that there's kind of this rising um, anger there that's felt when it comes to welcoming new people to our country. And I think it's sort of leading us to this sort of dangerous territory. So there's there's just so much, I think, that makes this a really important issue. Why do you feel that this is so important to focus on? Um, it, it's a, The immigration question is a very good point. Um, And if you think that that immigration isn't just people applying and coming to this country like a refugee or somebody else, um, there's a lot of international students. The international students, uh, we calculated as as much as 800,000 people of the million two that some pundits have as numbers coming in last year. 
we've got to get control of the international students uh, situation because they need housing as well. We need to build student housing to get control of that sector. I don't know that it's interesting. I don't know that we would want to resist immigration. Um, I'm starting to read more background information about why do we want immigration so high? Mm. Part of the reason is we've got a retiring, we've got an aging demographic in this country. We're not at replacement in terms of our birth rate. Mm -hmm. So we need people to come in and carry this country forward. Um, we need the next younger generation, young, younger demographic to come in in houses. We need people to come in and help build, build them. So we need skilled trades. We don't need economists. We, we need skilled trades. So, um, yeah, it's hard to argue against the immigration. I think we could moderate it a bit, particularly on the international student side. Um, but uh, I don't have the depth in that space to comment. Michael, one more question for you. This is coming from a listener talking just about home prices in general and uh, the monopoly that I think some people and investors find themselves taking advantage of. They say, cut all housing prices in half. The 1972 retirement plan houses, houses are destroying the market. First house, standard capital gain. Second house, 50%. Third house, 90%. No one should own more than one home. What are your thoughts on that? Gee, that's interesting. Um, for those folks who do own more than one home, I'm okay as long as they're renting it out. Mm -hmm. I mean, they've put up the capital to create a rental unit. Um, in, in Eastern Canada, in Toronto, yes, there are some reports that families have uh, a rental unit or two rental units. Maybe their kids stayed in a rental unit when they're going to university and they didn't sell it after the, the graduation happened. I'm okay with that because they're funding more rental units. I do have a problem at an issue if it sits vacant. Mm -hmm. And I think that various governments are taking, uh, taking that on by imposing an underused or a vacant housing tax. So I, I don't mind the second unit uh, piece as long as it's being used to rent out. Michael, thanks so much for your thoughts uh, this afternoon. Really appreciate your time. Okay. Thank you very much for having me. Of course. Bye now. Take care. That's Michael Brooks, co-author of the report, A Multi-Sector Approach to Ending Canada's Rental Housing Crisis, head of RealPAC, which is a group that represents 130 real estate firms. We're talking about trying to build 2 million rental units in this country. That's the number uh, that this report finds that we need to build to try and find ourselves out of this rental crisis.